0: Hey, welcome. This is uh, well, okay. We can start over. Um, hey, you're listening to Scooby Dudes. Hey, this thank you for podcast, listening. This is a podcast. Uh, and okay, let's start. <laughs> All right, go ahead. All right. Hey, hey. uh, thank you for. <laughs>
1: so sorry. <laughs> welcome to Meddling Dudes, the Scooby podcast, where dudes talk about dumb dog, too. <laughs> oh man i don't know why every time we record stuff i'm like how bad can i make this you self-sabotage like every take we ever do do you realize i don't know i need to stop can we start over from the start one more time yeah we definitely can and should hey welcome to scooby dudes thank you for listening
0: hey this is uh you're listening to a podcast it is two friends talking about their favorite meddling kids and their dumb dog too That is Luke. This is Luke. That is Evan. We are your hosts, and if it was not queer, the kids and the dog, that's Scooby-Doo and the gang.
1: So if you watch an episode of Scooby-Doo and you think this is too visual, too short, you've come to the right place now.
0: So all of that was a message for new listeners. For old listeners, we had hyped you up for a little bit of a (laughs) (laughs) flim-flam.
1: Yeah, uh, we we flip-flopped a little bit, but get flim-flammed, you could say. If you listened to last week's podcast episode, You were probably expecting uh, something special this week. And you're going to get something special, but not the special thing you expected.
0: We just want to be completely transparent. Uh, We had an episode previously recorded. It was the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. And unfortunately, for technical difficulties, I don't want to get into. We had to to push that back a week.
1: Yeah, so that that episode is going to come out a
0: week later. But this week, we have an unprecedented treat for you. We have an extra long episode. And it's definitely not because we recorded for too long. It's definitely as a a bit of a bonus and apology for for our, our mess up.
1: Yes, that's the only reason we recorded this episode long was to compensate for our mess up. And the only reason we messed up was because we wanted to give you a longer episode. We felt like you deserved more content.
0: So really, it wasn't so much a mistake on our part as it was completely
1: intentional. That bug is a feature. And uh, and the episode that we're going to go a little long with today, get ready for an hour and a half of pure content, is A Night of Fright is No Delight. This episode that we watched, great. This episode that we recorded... This has got to be among our best. Um, I think you guys are in for a treat. I uh, Really, just thank you for coming along for the ride.
0: Uh, Evan, I love you. Now it's time for a theme song. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies, too.
1: If you're LGBTQ,
0: we are
1: your Scooby-Doo.
0: All right, so uh, this week's episode, we are covering... An episode of w- Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? The original from the first season. Specifically, uh, season one, episode 16, A Night of Fright is No Delight. A Night of Fright is No Delight. We, spe- we picked this one specifically
1: for the pun. For that, actually, I'm sorry, not pun, for that rhyme. For that quality rhyme.
0: Yeah, it's it's got three rhymes. That's that's more than more than usual.
1: Night of fright, no delight. And that third rhyme has two syllables, so it's kind of got this sort of iambic pentameter thing going on. Yes. Um, I
0: also I also majored in English lit. Yes. I, so
1: I majored in it, so I I know the term iambic
0: pentameter, but I was I was a lazy student, so I don't know what it means. You know what? I am sure someone will correct us, and by us I mean you. Yeah. Where's <laughs> um, that a dactyl? I'm I'm gonna redactyl that statement. So, <laughs> let's see here. Night of No delight. I'm just gonna read off a little synopsis here. Yeah, lay it on lay it. Lay on. Lay the premise on us. Scooby Doo is named in the will of Colonel Beauregard Sanders, an eccentric millionaire whom he saved several years earlier. The only way to claim the inheritance is for Scooby and the other four heirs to stay the night in the colonel's mansion, which they quickly learn is haunted by two phantom shadows.
1: To me, to me, this feels like a very classic Scooby premise. Not so much in the, uh, there's a crime happening and we need to figure out how the ghost is involved in this kind of way. But, I mean, the setting is a classic Scooby castle that's haunted. From the first shot, we see it's a kind of on this, built on a rock by the sea. It's on an island.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a spooky mansion. It is a dark night and there's lightning. And that is that is how a Scooby-Doo episode should start. Yes.
1: On a on a, ra- a rickety kind of creepy mansion that's isolated and that's got a little glow in the windows and yeah, the the weather is inclement. You
0: you you said that this was kind of a classic Scooby setup. But there's also sort of the whole idea where it's like, "Oh yeah, you know, like stay in this mansion and you'll get money." That was like a good thing overnighting in mansions for fortunes
1: yeah it's I, I actually did a tiny bit of digging on that i i thought is this is scooby the first one to do this and uh, from what i can tell it's a combination of a couple of different tropes the on one condition trope of you can get this will if you do this thing on one condition the spend one night in a creepy house trope right i think it's been done as early as 1920 in a silent american comedy film called haunted spooks where a woman and her husband must spend a year in a haunted house. A year? A year.
0: So they started it with the stakes (laughs) so high. I know. So they're like, well, one night, what can we really show in one night? That would be like if The Bachelor, because as you may know, I've been watching a lot of that. If the first iteration of The Bachelor was like, here are 365 women, you must eliminate (laughs) one a day. (laughs) One a day. Can I get weekends off? Okay, but you got to eliminate three on Fridays. Exactly. Yeah, so, like, they started it with the stakes <laughs> way high. That's true. Kind of boiled it down. That's
1: kind of what it feels like. So here I feel like we've got the nugget of that premise. So it's it's seen, it's been around a few times, although it's still, it was new to me when this came around. This is probably my first time encountering it. Do you ever, do you ever read those,
0: like, Mr. Body books? Like, Who Killed Mr. Body?
1: I don't think I did. Time for a Google.
0: Yeah, they were really great. Uh, we had one when I was growing up as a kid. and And you know, like, the board game Clue, right?
1: Yeah, I'm familiar with it. I suck at that game. I'm familiar with it
0: yeah I've never been very good and it was kind of tedious because you had to move around the mansion you had to like move your little like piece around but basically these books were kind of like the Encyclopedia Brown books in that each chapter was a separate story and a separate mystery
1: I, I got to say, that's that's fantastic because I love, and this is a different from Scooby-Doo, a different track, but I feel like a lot of our readers will relate to it, loved Encyclopedia Brown. I loved those two- or three-minute mystery books. Yeah. Uh, I loved all of that stuff. And you'd look for the one specific detail that was m- more, more intricately written than the rest. And his pockets were turned inside out with no lint.
0: Okay, bookmark that. I'm going to highlight that for later. The whole thing with these books was, like, you have all these house guests, which is, like, a big part, right? Is that all of these other guests need to be, like, notable, Mm. uh, interesting characters. And then there'd be, like, oh, so who ate the cake? Or who, like, sabotaged the person's, like, vehicle? And then the last chapter would always be who killed Mr. Body. Because Mr. Body would always die in the last chapter. Yeah. 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 And and again, yeah, the whole premise is you you have all these characters in this in this mansion.
1: I've, I'm amazed. I've never heard of this. Uh,
0: so part of it is, uh, as, as I mentioned, the whole setup is that these people are locked up in in a mansion, and mm. uh, ostensibly one of them is the ghost or two of them are the ghosts because there are two phantoms
1: unless we approach it as we i think i at least in theory try and approach every scooby-doo episode let what if this is a real ghost what if this time it's real because that's the mindset scooby and shaggy are in every episode this time
0: it's for real that's true you want to let's let's just jump into it let's uh okay i i want to i want to mention that right off the bat we said yes that's a very classic opening with, with like the, the mansion and, and the lightning yeah but there is no
1: theme song that's true and the theme song plays at the end of the episode under credits along with the opening we just dive right into the action we see the title card of night of fright is no delight and uh, and boom there's the castle there's the lightning there's a silhouette in the window and here's the gang speeding up on this island from a boat on a little speedboat. Yep, they kind of introduced the premise to us. To go a little bit more in-depth on the premise, they are there for a will, and it's not the gang entirely, it's just Scooby who is set to inherit a uh, million dollars, potentially, from Colonel Beauregard Sanders, which, to just take a second, Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders is the name of the guy who they're inheriting from.
0: They gave him a first name, Colonel,
1: yeah, Beauregard, just to avoid that KFC lawsuit.
0: Which, like, maybe maybe he's related, right? Like, he, we don't know where he, this guy got his millions. And when I say millions, I mean million. One million. He's a millionaire. Right. He's got maybe a million and
1: a cent. He, he, just, he enough. just got it, and then he was like, I'm done. I'm like, out of this game. Do you want to sell your stocks or anything? Give them away. I don't need them. A, a, a multi-millionaire, that's too much for me, but a millionaire can do <laughs> multi-millionaire get real no one's ever gonna have that much money
0: and yeah i i do want to note let, uh, that uh that this uh, show came out back in the day well before luke and i were alive uh 1970 january which is uh yep f- funnily enough it's actually a day before we are recording this this was 47 years ago uh that this th- that this was released yeah almost to the day I, And at that point in time, almost five decades, a million dollars got you a lot further.
1: Yeah, this is a lot of money. And I told myself, I'm like, a million bucks for this? And I'm like, well, yeah, first of all, I would totally do that, along with a lot of other stuff I would do for a million dollars. And back in that day, that list grows longer and more unsavory. (laughs) And all this because Scooby, we we find out why Scooby's on the will, because that's our question right off the bat. Like, what is this? Colonel doing giving money to Scooby Doo potentially, and Scooby
0: saved him from a fish pond several years before. It's it's a very specific detail that is never really brought up. Again. No,
1: I I want to see that flashback sequence, and I think if this were be cool Scooby Doo, we would.
0: If this was a a modern, if this was on modern TV, yeah, we would have seen it, and it might have been like a little a little gag, like a little joke.
1: Yeah, but uh, but we actually never meet uh, Colonel Sanders. He actually is dead. Uh, not to not to belabor the point. So they approach on a boat. I don't know if you picked up on this or if it it irked you, but the sound, like mixing, seemed way off to me in that opening sequence when they're riding out on the boat and the gang is kind of talking out the premise. The music is really loud, and they don't trim back the motorboat sound such that they're almost all shouting over the boat and the music. <laughs> And there's a couple other points of the episode where they're
0: like trying to talk over the orchestra. There were a few spots where the audio was like, this is mm, not, not very, not, not great. Yeah,
1: it, it felt like the, uh, the music tracking got a little bit too strong. Um, and it was great. Like it's classic music. I, I really enjoyed it. It had some of the great Scooby stings in it. The mixing is a little bit odd. It go listeners go back and watch this episode. Mm-hmm. A night of fright is no delight and tell us what you think, but Anyways, they, we get to the, they they pull in, they get on the island, they go to the front door, they ding the bell or they pull the chain, they do the whatever. The person who opens the door
0: uh, is, is one of those classic shady Scooby characters. You know, he, he, he's a little bit hunchy, has very large, frightening eyes. Also, his name is Cosgood Creeps. He looks like an Igor. An Igor with a slightly
1: less prominent hump, but he's got that kind of, like, bad bangs hanging over his forehead and, like, buggy eyes with huge bags underneath them. He's he's a creepy-looking butler type. Although, once we get in, I realize I shouldn't have thought he was the butler from the start because he says, as you all know, I'm the lawyer.
0: Yeah, he's, he's an attorney, and he apologizes to everyone gathered because his associate mr crawls was not available and and shaggy notices that immediately in case in case the viewers were were not aware that this is a a strange and suspicious setup shaggy says
1: creeps and crawls you can you can always count on shaggy to uh to remind you of what the funny parts are because as they go around and they introduce the other cast the other family members who are up to inherit the will. We get their names, and Shaggy makes no comment on them. Here's cousin Simple, nephew Norble, uh, cousin Slick, and uh, and uh, sweet cousin Maldehyde. Sweet cousin Maldehyde, and we see Shaggy. Shaggy's got nothing on that. What, what am I gonna do with that? So it was it was cousin Simple. It was Cause, cousin cause I, Simple. I looked it up too.
0: I, I wrote down. I didn't look it up. I wrote down Simple or Sybil.
1: I wrote down Sybil initially, and I thought maybe I should go back and check this, and it was cousin simple
0: Yeah, because Sybil is a woman's name and cousin simple is a, is a man is a
1: red man yeah and we do get so we get in there the lawyer says sorry i'm cosgood creeps sorry my uh my associate crawls isn't here but i'm just gonna put this record on it was uh it was colonel sanders's one wish that i'd play this record
0: uh, Colonel Sanders starts speaking. He has that southern, southern drawl. I'm a
1: southern gentleman. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming to my
0: humble abode. He uh, he tells everyone gathered that uh, the money that is available is in the amount of $1 million. Um, and they have to stay in the house overnight. And if someone leaves, their share will be divided amongst the remaining uh, Guests.
1: Yes, and I, we've said classic many times already, but it's a classic premise, classic setup, and even the pan around as he's saying, like, thank you for coming, cousin Simple, nephew Noble, cousin Slicker. Uh, that's, I want to say, we spent a lot of, a good moment on each face of the relatives that are here, almost like it was a, a heist movie introducing the gang,
0: but th- they really don't have much of a role in this episode at all. They don't have much to do at all, yeah, and it, it is disappointing because, again, like I said, with this kind of premise... L- l- like, take Clue, for example. You have, like, Professor Plum. You have Miss Scarlet, mm. Colonel Mustard. They're all such, such like, vibrant characters. You you can pin down their personalities. Yeah, and it it makes it more interesting trying to think of
1: who is actually doing this thing. I mean, unless we're seeing it from Shaggy and Scooby's perspective of there is an actual ghost here. And there's some weird stuff going on in this house. But uh, that's that's never explained, I should say. But... I want to, I want there to be more people who could be the ghost, and it's hard when none of them really have much fleshing out to to think of them as viable candidates.
0: And I think the thing is that it would be so easy because look, you 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 found out that your wealthy, uh, eccentric uncle or whatever has passed away. Mm. You you go to this mansion. You're like, oh, this is gonna be easy. All I have to do is sleep in this in this mansion. Um, and, and you see all, all of these other characters that you've bumped into at family reunions and you're like, oh, whatever, like they're blood relatives. It makes sense for them to be here. And then also present is a dog, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like it'd be so easy for one of them to be like embittered that this dog would get $200,000. At the end where they
1: unmask I'm like, I didn't want to lose my inheritance from my family member to a dog. And the gang's like, "Oh yeah, that's that's actually pretty fair. Can we not press charges?"
0: Yeah, that that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah,
1: I I feel bad. I think we should have let you get away like, with it.
0: Like Scooby is our friend, but he's also technically our property. Yeah.
1: Uh, we are his owners. <laughs> Uh, he's our pet slash slave, technically. Really, the only
0: reason we're here is because anything that belongs to Scooby also belongs to us. Yeah,
1: like, we might give him a Scooby snack at the end of this if he gets the million dollars, but, I mean, we're we're making bank.
0: Which, really, since he's an animal, that's what makes sense yeah, to he, him.
1: Money means nothing to him, although at the end it does kind of seem like it would. But, uh, I mean, all that to say that... On the face, it looks like a colorful cast of relatives up for the will who we didn't get as in-depth on as I wish we did.
0: Once, once the record has ended and, and uh, Creeps hmm. leaves to join his associate, presumably, um, I believe it's Nephew Norble who says, 10 o'clock. Well, I suggest we all turn in. Let's get ready for bed. Let's get this night over and done with. Which, look, 10 p.m., a little early. There's nothing for them to do.
1: We do have a, a nice getting ready for bed sequence. Scooby, right off the bat, is really scared at the prospect of sleeping, so he does the clamp his mouth shut to keep his teeth from chattering thing. Like, hand on the top of the head, hand on the jaw, and he yeah, yeah. shuts himself. Mm-hmm. And then he's walking around in a bathrobe and four slippers, one on each paw.
0: Four slippers, exactly. He's He is ready for bed. Uh, but before bed, a bath.
1: Of course. And I just want to mention one more totally ancillary gag of Shaggy, who pulls out a toppling tower sandwich from this, like, sack.
0: A, a Dagwood sandwich. A Dagwood right? sandwich. Like,
1: he calls it a Shaggy super sandwich. Uh, and he, he's like, oh, a little salt, a little pepper on this. And there's a fish bowl next to him. He's like, oh, and of course, some fish food. Yeah. which
0: kind of makes sense. Like Shaggy and Scooby like to put weird stuff on their food. That becomes more of a thing. But the reason this is so weird is
1: Well, it's it's weird because he like puts the fish food on it. And yeah, you're right. He like he eats Scooby snacks, so Shaggy eats animal food, established. But the fish like when it sees him like grab the fish food like makes big teeth and like snarls at him and like chomps at him within the fish bowl and Shaggy gets scared and puts it back.
0: Is this a fish bowl that Shaggy brought with him to the mansion? Is this a fishbowl that was just in the room? <laughs> Shaggy Shaggy really likes eating fish food, but he's
1: not going to just take fish food around without a fish to feed. He's not a weirdo. <laughs> he doesn't want people to
0: think he's some kind of freak. Yeah, <laughs> This fish food? No, it's okay. I've got this fish right here that I take wherever we motorboat really, to. The only reason they keep Scooby around at all is so that Shaggy can <laughs> <needs> eat Scooby snacks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: These Scooby snacks? Oh, no, they're for, they're for Scooby, not for me. You're eating them right now, Shaggy. I see. Yeah, but I'm just making sure they're good for Scooby. I just want to make sure they're okay for him. Oh. So, you know, actually, there's a lot in that gag. I was just going to riff on that gag for a bit, but there was a lot to
0: discuss. There's a lot there. Um, Scooby. Uh, but and, and Scooby's, yeah, he's in his bathrobe, so he must be
1: on his way to a bath.
0: He, he's he's taking a bath. He's uh, He's scrubbing his back. He puts the brush in the soap. He starts to scrub his teeth. Not something I would do. <laughs>
1: no, but this, this is Scooby. He's a dog. What does he know? And, uh, and while he's bathing, a couple of the tiles on the wall flip up like a hatch, and we see this ghoul ghostly face, like, uh, like the face from Scream, poke through that little hatch and look at Scooby for a minute. Not do anything, then close the hatch again. (laughs) Scooby doesn't notice him. That's just for the audience. It was a very not dramatic introduction of the villain.
0: Yeah, the way that this episode treats the phantom, uh, and and as I read in the synopsis, phantoms, there are two of them, is very interesting, Mm. and you don't see that much of them for the first half of the episode. It's mostly
1: exploring the setting. And I will say, one of my favorite things about this episode, if not my very favorite, is the setting and how well they treat it. I feel like there's lots of hidden spots, there's lots of uh, detail given, there's lots of secrets and exploration of this mansion that made it feel really rich and real and deep.
0: They treat the setting like an actual building, like an actual structure.
1: Yeah, there's a connect, different rooms connected to different places and it, yeah, it's, it's some exploration in there that feels like the best part of the episode to me. And it begins with this yeah. ghoul that just showed up presumably pulling some kind of lever or switch that makes the bathroom wall slide up and the bathtub slide out with Scooby in it. The bathtub slides back in and Scooby's not in that bathtub. We've got a secret passage already that's kind of done the like rotating wall thing to swap someone out of the room.
0: Like in uh, Make a Beeline, beeline away, away From, from that, that Feline. feline yep. Which is still, I think, to date, the highlight of all of the episodes we've seen so far.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's the bar that has to be surpassed. At and this and
0: point. we'll see if this one surpasses it. We'll discuss that come the end of this episode.
1: Let's see if this is a, an episode that we would recommend that you Scooby Do, or maybe maybe that you Scooby avoid. <laughs> <laughs> Scooby, yes please, or Scooby, no, thank you, sir.
0: Uh, you know, it's yeah, it, maybe like uh. whether or not you should check in on this to see. Um, if, if anything new is happening in the life of Scooby-Doo. Hey, hey, what is new, Scooby and Shaggy? <laughs> so, Scooby, Scooby is hurtling down a coal chute or something like that, it's a slide.
1: He's sliding down a slide somewhere in this secret passage into what turns out to be a coal chute, because he lands in a pile of coal at the bottom.
0: So so he sees this, he sees the phantom in full. You know, like green kind of robes, he's got like a, like yeah, like, like the scream mask, like that kind of face, glowing red eyes. And and he's rattling chains. He has like manacles uh, on his wrists.
1: Yeah, and he's um, kind of shadowy looking. He looks a little bit incorporeal. I think
0: it's incorporeal.
1: Incorporeal. So incorporeal. W-
0: what I wrote down, my notes here, um, is is that like Scooby is shaking. Like he's very very scared. His like teeth are chattering. He's like overcome with fear. Um, and he looks like a character from one of those old black and white cartoons.
1: That's exactly what I thought. I thought this is like Steamboat Willie. For a bit like
0: yeah it felt like a throwback to that era yeah he's
1: got like giant eyes it's this odd unique animation moment where they chose to do Scooby in like a Mickey Mouse kind of old- timey way but yeah Scooby's scared that's the big thing I got from there is genuine fear not goofy fear
0: and then obviously he joins the gang again he runs
1: out of this coal shoot room and he does a, another classic thing which is he runs through the door and leaves a silhouette behind of a, an opening in that door, which is not very Scooby-shaped, I have to say. It almost looks like a bear ran through the door.
0: Is that a Scooby gag? Because that strikes me as more a uh, l- like a WB, you know, like Bugs Bunny, like Daffy Duck kind of gag. You're right, that is more that kind of gag. Like they're, they were always
1: running through walls and doors and stuff. And then ultimately, of course, the Terminator did it. <laughs> Um, but it's, anyway, Scooby does it, that's how he gets out of the room, and then he's presumably makes his way back up to the gang, because he's back up there, and he does the mime thing, It was like, Lassie, what happened? And Scooby mimes it out, Shaggy gets it, of course.
0: Yeah, Scooby says two things, and Shaggy, um, basically translates both times, as if Fred can't understand.
1: Which, I guess that's, Shaggy really gets Scooby, there's a connection there that's deeper. And so they go investigate, they're like, well, what's up with this bathroom,
0: let's go check out the bathtub. And, and they check in, and the bath- tub is bolted to the floor
1: an odd moment which i watched that and i thought okay this is great we're getting a little bit of detail this is a mystery we're going to solve no it it is not. never return to it they're like how would the
0: bathtub slide out of here look it's bolted to the floor we have a zoom in look at the three bolts on each leg. It's lovingly rendered, which is something that I feel like we're gonna say since we pay so much attention to animation. But But it's it's very detailed.
1: It is, and a lot of this this setting is lovingly rendered. Like, they spent a lot of time doing different rooms, different walls, different scenes, and the bathtub is no different. And in fact, there's this moment after that where Fred and Shaggy walk out, and Scooby's left with his tub that he knows moved. And he, like, pulls the drain out of it and watches a little bit of the water swirl out. As if to confirm, yeah, the plumbing is genuinely hooked up. It really
0: works. We never return to this. Yeah, that's it. That's the end of the bathtub. Um, I, I think I should mention that they were all getting ready for bed. Uh, right, Scooby, Scooby had the bathroom and the four slippers, one for each dog foot. Fred and Shaggy are also in their PJs because they are also getting ready for bed. They go into the hallway to see Velma and Daphne, who, who are in, a, in an adjacent room, and Velma and Daphne are in their regular clothes.
1: That that's how they sleep. That's what they wear. There was a big debate that day. The animators, I, lingerie. That they definitely sleep in <laughs> in lingerie, man. You got one guy in the back.
0: They sleep in the nude.
1: <laughs> it was between lingerie and nude, and then eventually they ran out of budget, and they just had to do them in their regular clothes.
0: I like I I, I honestly wonder because it's like look, they could have given them like shapeless nightgowns or something. They've right done there. it
1: before, or not before, but later they do do that. Like, I, I know some screenshots of them and in, in their night things.
0: It just seems like such a weird choice to be like, yeah, we're per- very purposefully going to give Fred and Shaggy pajamas, but not Velma and Daphne.
1: They they just don't give any... They don't spend any time on Velma and Daphne, but they have this whole nighttime routine for the guys. They show Fred shaving at the mirror. Uh, Shaggy's doing some crunches as Fred's holding down his knees.
0: They, they've illustrated, like, every single, like, hair on his chin. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and as as the razor, razor kind of slides down.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Shaggy's plucking his nose hair
0: as they, they really, again, lovingly rendered. Shaggy, Shaggy is reading a book in five minutes of this episode. is just him... Turning the pages, and,
1: and we—I feel like we know what happens in that book by his facial expressions, because we we re- are really taken along on that
0: journey just watching Shaggy. There's a lot of nuance, yeah, in, in his facial. Features. Oh man, I feel like
1: I really understand Infinite just now, just seeing Shaggy read it.
0: And and what's funny is, um, there's an alternate version of this episode where they show Daphne and Velma's uh, routine they step into the room and close the door behind them and they just stand there for five minutes. <laughs> they
1: stand there, well, gotta get ready for bed, five or 10 minutes, sounds good. And then they just stand there silently staring at the wall <laughs> for five minutes and then walk into bed, shoes and all.
0: Anyway, they, they come out into the, into the hallway and, and they find out.
1: Yep, uh, they find out that, in fact, there's a little sequence beforehand where um, we see, well, they've all gone to bed and uh, their ghostly shadow, again, the, uh, what's it called again?
0: The Phantom Shadows.
1: The Phantom Shadow. It's called The Phantom or Phantom Shadow is the name of this, which we'll find out in a minute, but the Phantom Shadow comes out of the grandfather clock, like it's an open door, it opens it like a door and sneaks out and sneaks into Cousin Simple's room. Teeth chatters and screams in horror and uh, then the gang is like, "What was that?" And they all come out of their their bedrooms and go to investigate. And indeed, Cousin Simple is gone.
0: Yes, so the Phantom Shadow is taking Cousin Simple. They see written on the mirror of Cousin Simple's bedroom that a poem slash warning has been left. Uh, and Velma reads it, uh, and, and I will now. Uh, it's, The first is gone, the rest will go, unless you leave the island, and row, row, row. And it's signed, uh, yes. Phantom Shadow. Love, Phantom Shadow. <laughs>
1: and it's also, it's on the, the mirror and lipstick. Was that Cousin Simple's lipstick, or was
0: it the Phantom's? Who, who could say? I thought it was adorable that he dotted the eyes with little hearts. Yeah,
1: it was. It's a very loving, lovingly rendered on the Phantom's part. <laughs> it was a nice
0: touch—the little, like, kiss, you know, outline of the lips and lipstick. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, it's. I mean, the lips are horrifying because it's the Phantom's lips, and the Phantom has like a kind of <laughs> scream mouth, like a and misshapen omelet. So, so Cousin Simple is gone, and now we have a name for this. This is the first time we hear the name Phantom Shadow.
0: It's really interesting that you you look at past ghouls and ghosts and it's always implied what their origins are like like the cat monster comes from like a long line of cat monsters you know that with their their mausoleum yeah uh, there's some
1: mythos there because there's like there's a mausoleum and like statues of this monster, which m- maybe we we ended on a note that those could have been all fabricated with like the five thousand dollar budget that guy right. had for his. Yeah, I th-
0: I think I think the implication is that the cat monster was his own creation. He just had he was able to bankroll this uh this whole this whole thing. <laughs> I think he got a little bit carried away. We're going back to a previous episode, but it's just so good. Go listen to it. Go listen to uh, Make a Beeline Away from that Feline.
1: Listen to it and watch the episode, please. Um, but you were saying this this monster is unique, and how so? Uh,
0: it, it's unique because we have no idea why the mansion is haunted.
1: Yeah, we, We're only told in the record that uh, Colonel Sanders plays at the very beginning uh, that they have to spend a night in this haunted mansion. He says that it's haunted, but he doesn't say with what or how.
0: And and Colonel Sanders is dead. Yeah, you know because because this is his inheritance, his inheritance that he's that he's trying to give away. So it could, I mean, you could very easily tie that in somehow. Maybe maybe these are his friends. <laughs> like I don't like I don't know.
1: Yeah, he's like, hey guys, after I die, I really want you to haunt my relatives. Actually, you know, now that I say that, I'm saying it's as a joke. I I would like that a lot. If when I die, Evan, hey, when I die, Evan, (laughs) I mean, like, I know I've been dead for a while by the time I'm buried and we get to my will, but keep my apartment open. Because I want want my relatives to have to spend a night in my apartment. Extended family, too. I mean, like, 30 people all in my apartment. And I want you to haunt them.
0: Yeah, are you going to play an old-timey record explaining how if they stay there for one night, they will receive the uh, $12.53? you are correct it will be a vinyl record that's what my other uh,
1: eight dollars and 47 cents went to because i'm gonna die with a 20 dollars bill in my pocket and nothing else so just play that vinyl record for them and then try and haunt them i've got lots of secret passages fortunately so that'll help in in your apartment in my apartment yeah and i'll keep the lipstick right next to the mirror so you can write whatever rhymes you want
0: excellent that'd be perfect
1: but it's it is kind of weird that we like we don't know why this ghost is haunting them. All we know is that we presumably this house has been haunted from the start, haunted since the colonel lived there. Maybe this is the same
0: ghost. I feel like I can touch on this now, uh, and and it'll be sort of compounded as this episode goes on. But Colonel Sanders is 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 a Southern gentleman. Oh yes, and it's it's implied. Well, not implied. It's directly stated and shown that he's a collector of of Civil War memorabilia. Not n- not
1: the North side either. <laughs> I think is what you're going for. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, I love everything to do with the Civil War. South. Uh,
0: And when I say Civil War, I think what I mean to say is the War of Northern Aggression.
1: Oh, those Northerners aggressed us. How they did. Oh, man. Yeah, he's uh, I mean, if you we see a portrait of him pretty much from the get-go. That is correct. And uh, the eyes don't move. Let's cut that out real quick. The eyes never move in any of the portraits that we have a lot of paintings around this house. And he looks like he's wearing a Civil War general's uniform and he's got like the white hair and mustache and pointy beard
0: he's got like a saber i think maybe like it, yeah he's got the whole he's the whole package he
1: definitely does he looks like he belongs selling fried chicken on a battlefield
0: with that being said i think that it could have been easier to say that the phantoms are are the deceased from either side right maybe they are confederate soldiers who don't like see it'd be so much easier if any of the gang was like a person of color because then it like yeah that like that explains why they're mad about this.
1: Maybe they think Scooby is a black man. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, who, could, who could fathom the... Who can plumb the depths of the mind of a racist <laughs> to know what they see when they see a person of color? Oh, oh I want you to edit
0: all of this out. <laughs> Forgive me. Forgive me, listeners. Uh, I made one last note before we move on. Um, Daphne calls Fred, Freddy. Mm. Is that common is that a thing that happens i don't think anyone else calls him freddy
1: i i don't know if she calls him freddy more than that time but i'm almost certain neither scooby nor shaggy nor velma ever call him freddy fred fred also calls
0: daphne daff uh, much later on. And I think maybe that is more common.
1: I think others might use DAF. And, and I think everybody uses Scoob from time to time. I think it's just Shaggy and Velma who don't get us abbreviated.
0: Does Fred not say Shag? I feel like he might.
1: I think you might be right. Maybe he does say Shag. We can really plumb the depths of their relationship like uh, chart out the connections between them by who uses what nickname for who.
0: Yeah. It's, it's subtle, but it's there.
1: It's there, yeah. But, but great note. I like that. Uh, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. So they cousin simple is gone all that to say, but we have a name of the villain, Phantom Shadow. And so the and and this is uh, almost a trope for me, one of the characters is also obviously voiced by Casey Kasem. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Cousin Slicker, who when he speaks, he's like, I think we better return to our room and lock our doors. It's like a little bit of a southern accent, but 99% Casey Kasem. He he knew he couldn't
0: voice anyone else in the main cast, but he needed the money.
1: He, he needed the money, and they loved it. They, yeah, let's have him do more. Everybody loves this guy. Like, I'm like, have Frank Welker do it. Um, have the voice of Fred do it. He's a, he sounds super generic,
0: anyways. That's almost his gift. It, it's true. Yeah, that is the main point of his voice. Is that he's kind of like a a blank slate.
1: Yeah. <laughs> blank white slate. Good old Fred. And I've said this before, but I love Fred's voice. I it, for me, it's as
0: distinctive as Shaggy. There's something very iconic about it. Yeah, it's and I think classic. Do you think that Freddie Prince Jr. did a, did a good job? I think he did, but it's been a while, I'll say. It's been a
1: while, and I think we will return... I mean, we will not return, but go to the first time for our listeners to the live-action Scooby movies, where we'll see Freddie Prince Jr. in in that element. And uh, we'll also see uh, Matthew... Lillard. Lillard as my my favorite incarnation of Shaggy, and still the voice of Shaggy to this day. He's
0: perfect. He's so good.
1: Nails it. Oh, goodness. Teasers of stuff to come. Anyway, uh, so... Cousin Slick, Slicker says, we should go back to our rooms and lock our doors. Um, the gang says, hey, good idea. Let's not do that. Let's uh, go back to Scooby's room, not lock the door, and make a dummy Scooby.
0: There's a cantaloupe comes into play. It's, it's, a, it's a hodgepodge of different items.
1: It's, it's like vegetables, a wooden stick, and like some bandages, or a volleyball maybe. All made to very loose very vaguely look like Scooby.
0: Velma is very proud of this creation. She she says so. She says that it's it's a good like Scooby dummy that they've created. Yeah. So Scooby and Shaggy, they're so frightened of seeing the Phantom Shadow. And and Scooby has seen it and Shaggy has not. But what they decide to do is, instead of being in the room waiting for the monster to turn up, they cling to a drain pipe right outside the window. Yeah, which Velma calls playing it safe. We should state for our listeners who may or may not have seen the episode already that again, this is on an island, right? This is why the ghost, the the Phantom Shadow, is telling people to row, row, row their way home. Yes,
1: good, worth noting, it's on an island and it's like a rock island, just like a chunk of rock land. It looks almost inaccessible.
0: All, all of which is to say that not only is this drain pipe several feet off the off the ground, there is no ground underneath. It's it's a, a lake or an ocean it's not really uh explained but there, it, there's a body of water underneath them and they're very high up
1: it's it's an understated <laughs> joke i think that they're playing it safe and scooby and shaggy are like this is the safest place to be but they're hanging on a drain pipe like in cartoons if you see a drain pipe you're like that's going to break off at some point
0: point. and surely enough on the floor above them the phantom shadow pops out of the window and he uh he dislodges the drain pipe from where it's attached to the, to the house
1: Shakes it, pushes it, and so Shaggy and Scooby are wobbling on this drain pipe. It's a, a somewhat predictable moment. What I did not predict was that Velma tries to save them. She tries to reach out don't, and grab
0: them. Don't worry, I'll save you. And she she comes out and she uh she tries to grab them, but there's so much momentum because it is a full-grown man and a full-grown great Dane, that instead of stopping them, she she flies away with them.
1: She's on that pipe too, and she's they're wobbling around, and it ultimately bends all the way horizontal, and then further. It's it's breaking, and it swings them almost like on a vine underneath the house
0: Where there's into a, a cave.
1: cave. Yep, a cave built into the side of the island. And again, I gotta say, this is something that makes it... It makes the setting feel layered. It makes it feel like it's got some depth. There's the house, and there's the island, and there's a cave in the island. Now we're underneath the house, they say, once they're underneath.
0: Yeah, you can compare and contrast this to other episodes of Scooby-Doo, where they will be similarly in a haunted mansion of sorts, but they'll just go from room to room, and you'll never feel like there's any connective tissue between them.
1: That's a great way of putting it. And I feel like it's the same way in most museums or institutions like that, where it's just room, room, different settings, no connections.
0: But it, yeah, it's very firmly established here is that they were in the mansion. Now they are in this cave underneath. And, and we, we will get into it more, how they continue to, to build up on that. Um, what happens is they see that there are footprints down in that cave.
1: Uh, we see some footprints, and Velma takes note of the fact that, like, wait, how is a phantom shadow uh, m- making footprints? And uh, I think Shaggy says, like, well, maybe he had dirty feet. And it's like, that doesn't answer my effing question, Shaggy. And also, like, you don't need dirty feet
0: to leave footprints. Yeah, right?
1: you just need feet. This is obviously not smudged floor. This is, like, these are impressions made on the ground. So... Yeah, Velma's... Maybe that's why Velma's angry at him and she says, Shaggy, you're going to lead the way. Yeah,
0: this is such an interesting... uh, Such an interesting character interaction. First of all, you don't see... Velma normally doesn't have long conversations with people and certainly not with Shaggy.
1: You're right. She doesn't typically have a lot of character moments and she's alone with Scooby and Shaggy right here.
0: So basically what happens is she tells Shaggy to go ahead. With Shaggy... He's obviously not down with. He he does not want to be in front. He prefers to be in, in the in the rear. Shaggy's um, strong
1: bottom. He's a power bottom, you could
0: he, say. Yeah. Uh, he says, "Well, what if the Phantom grabs me?" Which is a, a reasonable fear, all things considering. And Velma rebuts with, "That's the chance I have to take. Now be brave and lead the way." You should say you're gonna have to
1: be brave, no matter how chicken you are. And so Shaggy tries to walk, but then he gets panicked and he tries to run away while making his typical Shaggy panic noise, like, uh, 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 with <laughs> chicken noises intermingled.
0: <laughs> it's, man, uh, Velma is stone cold here. Like, she's like, this oh, is man. what's going to happen and you're going to do it. And that's it. That's the, the end of uh, the end of our negotiation.
1: And there's none of, like, Fred, Fred's rationalism in there of, like, I don't think this is really a ghost. We need to figure this out. It's just like, hey, Shaggy, you're the one who's going to have to walk across this quicksand first. Like, uh, you're going to swallow the risk here, bud. We have a dog. We have a lesser form of life with us. Can we let this lead the way? I mean, it's bread for fighting. <laughs> can, we, can
0: we make uh, Scooby lead the way? And, and you know what the thing is? Velma has every reason to be upset at them because they were hanging off a drain pipe.
1: Yeah, and she tried to save them, but because they were moving and swinging so much, they pulled her along with yeah. them.
0: She, she has every right to be upset, and she she could have just been like, we wouldn't have been in this situation if it wasn't for you. You lead the way. She doesn't take that tactic at all. She's just like, no, no do it. You're going to do
1: it, which is kind of, again, it, it plays into some group dynamics here. The group is never that an, that like antagonistic towards each other. No members are. But they do just like, they have this, built-in hierarchy that allows them to order each other around without ever questioning or
0: arguing so uh, shaggy does end up sort of leading the way uh and they find they find a bunch of as as i mentioned earlier civil war memorabilia or as colonel sanders would refer to it yes war of northern aggression memorabilia
1: (laughs) yes they had a civil war with us we didn't have a Civil War back. Uh, and it's it's cannons, it's barrels, it's flags. Confederate flags. Uh, conf- like a bunch Confederate of them. flags. There is not a Union Jack in hey, there. The
0: Union Jack, look, I feel like our readers are going to get, are going to like hopefully email us or interact with us, the Union Jack is the British flag. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I mean, Union Jack was a well-known Union soldier.
0: So, so you're right. You're right in that there is not a single Union Jack there. There's
1: no Union Jack. There's no Irish flag. There's no Italian flag. There's so many <laughs> flags out there, and none of them are here except the Confederate one. So he's not a flag enthusiast. I know what our our listeners are thinking. Not a flag enthusiast. Good save. So. All that to say, Luke is uneducated. <laughs> Luke is an uneducated guy who doesn't know anything about
0: the War of Northern Aggression. Can I just, quick sidebar, how hilarious would it be if if it just became a back and forth of like retitling the Civil War? You know, you got the people in the North, they're like, so the Civil War, and then you have the people, you know, some people, not all of them, like, let's be fair, who are like, the War of Northern Aggression, and then you have people in the North be like, more like the War of Southern... Uh, defeat. Am I right? <laughs> well, more like the war of Northern not playing fair,
1: Northern having a strong enough, in- too strong of industry to—it's cheating. More like
0: uh, the poor Southern defense and also offense because you lost on both fronts.
1: I wish I knew more about. I'm like embarrassed. I don't know enough about the Civil War.
0: Now we have uh, we have lost all of our readers south of the Mason-Dixon line.
1: Yeah, that—that's okay. Uh, there aren't a lot of people capable of reading down there, so that's that's all right there. Okay, you know what? I want I want to keep those listeners. <laughs> Yo, f- beep everyone. <laughs> south of Maine, Maine is the only north to me. Anyways, we fortunately Shaggy leading leading the group doesn't result in anything except him being the first to come upon this Civil War stuff. Again, cannons, barrels, flags, uniforms. Um, apparently, the colonel collected all this stuff. Velma tells us. Uh, specifically, the uniforms—they must be his favorite because there's a lot of them. What
0: happens is, and and again, we were saying that the the Phantom Shadows have such a such a low key presence. Is that one of the uniforms starts to um float in the air
1: from this heap of gray Confederate uniforms? One leaps out of the pile and uh, and starts like floating in the air and flapping its empty arms, and it's just like a jacket.
0: And they start to run away. And I made a little bit of a note here that Velma makes a lot of scared sounds.
1: She does, including when they're on the drain pipe. She does some some squealy screams that are a little bit like I would looked away for a second and I just heard it and I was like, "Oh dang, that's scary." She's in genuine fear.
0: Yeah, normally normally she's very quiet in in instances where where a ghost or a ghoul is is attacking or chasing them. She yeah, she makes a lot of noise.
1: Yeah, and they're like I said, I think they're a little bit more fear-filled than normal. Most like Velma scared sounds I think are like if she was trying to catch her footing on a slippery floor like whoa, whoa. but these are like uh, like shouts and, and cries of terror
0: basically this this jacket chases them um, until they get to a closet and they uh, go inside of it right like
1: it's a closet elevator that they they jump into which takes them the, the elevator takes them immediately down and then like right back up. So they're right back where they started with the jacket. And Scooby, in an uncharacteristically brave moment when they're cornered by this flying, floating jacket, um, starts trying to make faces at it to scare it away. And, and growls a little bit? And yeah. growls a little bit, yeah. He like, gets a little bit aggressive. Like,
0: like a normal dog would do. Yeah, it's kind of weird. And, and, and then, of course... Yeah, uh, you find out that this is not in fact a ghost or a ghoul. It's a duck?
1: Yeah, it's like a goose in this jacket that's been flapping around uh, flying in this jacket because as we all know every goose wants to be a confederate soldier that's every goose's dream i mean they've got this
0: beautiful white pure plumage you know what, i didn't realize that this was uh. an episode that would that would uh at least so many hot takes <laughs> oh boy um yeah so so if you put if you put a yeah. a a heavy jacket on a bird will be able to flap its wings and keep that item of clothing aloft
1: By no means the weirdest physics to happen in this episode. There's some weirder physics, also flight-related, to come. But maybe this is a a portent of that. Yeah, it's just a goose in the jacket. That's all it is. So they're not really that scared. Of course, Scooby's never actually going to act big to a real villain. So that's kind of why he's able to growl at it and make faces at it.
0: Right, yeah. It's almost like Scooby-Doo has reverse spider sense. In, that he, in which he can tell that something is not dangerous. Yeah,
1: and he can he can stand up to it in that case.
0: Not to say that any of the ghosts have ever been dangerous, but, but less so, right? Like Yeah. Well, as, as I've
1: said before, I think if any of the ghosts are dangerous, they're dangerous to Scooby-Doo. Because, like, a bad human who's trying to scare humans away will just, like, wave your arms and stuff. But could actually, like, kill Scooby. And they might actually feel threatened by a dog and, like, kill the dog. That's a little dark, but I mean, like, I think that's a possibility, especially in make a beeline away from that feline. There was some genuine fear for Scooby's That is
0: true. In the episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I want to, you know what? Go watch Um, that episode. I think we'll try to let this be our last time, but go go check it out. Anyways,
1: we're here at this elevator. Oh, it's just a uh, goose and a in that in that uniform so they jump back in the elevator to try and get where it's actually going and as it turns out that elevator leads to cousin slicker's room
0: uh and everyone's gone yeah
1: they they regroup with the group they're all together and it turns out yeah cousin slicker's gone and cousin simple was already gone uh sweet sweet cousin maldehyde yep cousin norble has gone it's just scooby he's the only heir left and daphne at that point lays down the line what a night for a fright to which fred's like Yup. And I'm like, is knowing to say how this is not a delight. I want to hear how it's not a delight. <laughs> it's a night of fright
0: indeed. Have you, you know that uh that one Britannic video movie trailer? Uh yeah, Academy Award His, winning Academy movie. Award winning movie trailer. Yeah. And at the end, I think it is it's Nick, uh who actually he he, I think he wrote, he wrote like uh like a like a mini series for Marvel. Nick culture? Really? Yeah. I think it was about Groot or something. It was supposed to be pretty good. Um, but at the very end, he's like, and this is the part where we say the movie title. You know, that's like the line or whatever. I yeah. can't not hear his voice whenever this happens.
1: Oh, man. that I, I mean, like, we're probably going to cut it. But that Britannic sketch, like Academy Award winning movie trailer, so good.
0: I say, you know what? I say you should just splice that audio in instead of me quoting him, just, like, actually put it in. <laughs> where,
1: where where Nick goes and yeah, then just yeah. splice it right in.
0: Uh, so, I, yeah, she I says... Might do that. Uh, wow, what a night for a fright. Um, and then Shaggy says, all that's missing is a spooky organ. Cue spooky organ. Right.
1: And I would note, here the music is, again, a little weird because organ was playing prior to that. Like, we have a little bit of normal background organ music and then new organ cuts in you kind of expect
0: also like a strong you know like organs are like a loud like like deep instrument and and the music that they end up playing is not that impressive
1: no and again it's it's organ on top of organ that was already playing where it would have been better if it was just like normal scooby music and then like an organ sting just to really jump into the fourth foreground right there but it didn't nonetheless we're like hey that's organ and so then they go off to the organ room of course so
0: this is I like this a lot. I actually like this part quite a bit.
1: Oh, I was I'm so glad you said that. I love this
0: part. They see a little bit of a note written on the uh, where where sheet music would be, and it says "Feed the organ and watch the floor." It's it's in all caps. It's
1: great. I have on my notes there in all caps written next to it riddle exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point cuz it's so it's so great. There's a riddle in here. Secrets and riddles. This is exactly what I want out of a haunted house
0: yeah it's it's fantastic scooby goes off screen puts on like a a jacket like a pianist would wear
1: yeah like a tux with like the long tails and back
0: well yeah the, the tails he sits down and he starts playing horribly yeah. and um, i will note
1: he also grabs a candelabra he's going yeah, full he, into he, this he's
0: committed to the parts uh i think it's velma who says let's watch the floor and see what happens and in, i think one of my favorite shots of this entire episode it's the rest of the gang just <laughs> staring at the floor <laughs> like this one
1: <laughs> like at the floorboards. Oh man, it's it's great. and I what uh, part of what I love about this is I didn't get the riddle right away and you would think it would be really easy like in a, in a show like this like feed the organ, wash the floor where they gonna, oh, they just play some notes and the floor opens, but it doesn't work quite like that. Um, Scooby starts just banging on the organ and instead of anything happening with the floor, the walls start closing in.
0: Yeah, like the uh, like the trash compactor in Star Wars.
1: Exactly what I thought of. And so Han Solo shoots the walls, but that doesn't really work. Uh, excuse me, actually, um, uh, I mean, what do they do to actually try and stop that? I think Scooby just bangs on the organ some more.
0: Well, or yeah, Scooby stops playing, and then they're like, "No, Scooby, like keep playing. Maybe you can stop the walls from from closing in," and it works.
1: Yeah, Scooby's just like knocking on the organ. He like walks across the keys. And for whatever reason, it, it stops the walls.
0: Then Velma, she's a smart one, she figures out the riddle.
1: A pretty good riddle, I gotta say. I I enjoyed it. And uh, I think I figured it out just like a moment before Velma said it.
0: I didn't figure it out at all. So you, you might as well just tell people what's up.
1: So it's feed the organ and watch the floor. Velma realizes, and again, I realized before Velma, because I realized before Velma um, that it's, and I before Velma realized it, I realized it. Uh, it's F e e D, the notes, not the word feed. So it's, she plays like F on the piano, E on the piano, E on the piano, D on the piano and that's or on the organ and that's what makes the floor open.
0: I, I love it. I think we're both in complete agreement that, that this is fantastic. And, and again, since you figured it out, obviously like if you have you have more of a musical background than I do, you should be able to piece together. Possibly. Yeah,
1: you can you can see that it's, oh, these are all F-E-E-D, or all musical notes. And again, I only figured that out at the last second before Velma did. Um, right, before but it was Velma. A, b- before Velma, yeah. Um, <laughs> I have in my notes here... ...say that I did it before Velma, <laughs> even though I had to go on to Wikipedia.
0: We we both love this. I do want to point out that it's a little mysterious why this happens at all, yeah. because it's it's not explained if it's the Phantom the Shadows or the Shadow Phantoms or whatever, who leave uh, the riddle for them.
1: Yeah, I was just kind of under the impression that it's just a very, very... Ri- ma- it's a mansion that's very rich in secrets and mysteries. It's, which as a kid is the most thrilling thing. This just takes me back to being a kid where you, you want there to be a mystery in every corner and for every book on the bookshelf to open up a secret passage. And this has that kind of feel to it where there's a riddle here that opens up a secret passage and this grandfather clock swings out and that leads somewhere and there's an elevator that leads into this person's room. And uh, this is in line with that.
0: I think like, I think it's very vaguely implied that the, the shadow, okay, is it, it's Phantom Shadow, right? P.S.
1: Phantom Shadow. And we've said it a bunch of different ways. Phantom Shadows, The Phantom Shadow. I think it is just Phantom Shadow. Right. It refers to itself in the singular, although, as we've said, even though we haven't seen it yet, there are more There multiple. are two
0: of them. Uh, that The Phantom Shadow has set this up for them to go down, but it just seems a little weird that they would put it behind, like, a wall, behind, like, a riddle.
1: Yeah, they make it a bit more difficult Be- to... Because
0: they make it down into what is described as, a cre- as creepy coffin-filled catacombs, and they see five coffins... And the fifth coffin looks like it was meant to uh, to hold like a like a cello. Exactly
1: what I thought. Yeah, it's the fifth coffin looks like a musical instrument case like a standing cello or a standing bass or something like that. But the gang recognizes it. They've been imagining Scooby in a pine box for ages. So they're like that's a Scooby shaped box, just like the one we
0: got back home. Yeah, that is a yeah. dog shaped coffin. I wrote I wrote five <laughs> coffins. The fifth is dog shaped. And then after the, that I wrote an all caps, I guess. <laughs> yes,
1: I guess we could fork
0: a dog in there. <laughs> <laughs> then in maybe the scariest part of this whole episode, the lids of the other coffins open up and all of Colonel Sanders' relatives are in there. Yeah, we see
1: Simple, Slicker, Norville, and uh, and Sweet Cousin... Sweet Cousin Maldehyde. Maldehyde. I, I want to say Maybelline or something, Is Maldehyde, like, oh, formaldehyde.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you just get it now? Or? Yeah, I just got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the only reason I remember her name over everyone else's. It's just such a ridiculous name.
1: Oh, formaldehyde. And presumably that's what she's filled with now because she's in a coffin. They're um, dead.
0: It's, it's implied they're all dead.
1: These, Yeah, these are the bodies in a coffin. And there's one empty coffin for Scooby-Doo who's going to be well on his way.
0: And that's when they see two phantoms appear.
1: Yeah, and they're not as ghostly anymore. These are bodies it's actual phantoms that cast shadows
0: and we know that the first phantom scooby was so scared he turned into a black and white cartoon character yeah basically right? like it, it reverted into like an earlier age of animation two phantoms renders him catatonic yeah
1: he passes out like that he's out like a light and uh and the gang they know they got to get out of there so they they pick him up and they carry him over their heads sprinting out of the room and knock him off he he hits the door frame. As if he wasn't already like knocked out cold. He hits headfirst into the door frame.
0: Yeah, they they slam him into the door frame because they are running yeah. away.
1: And uh, and he's of course he's still out cold. The gang, who knows where the gang is, but Shaggy's at least coming back for Scooby. He runs back, he's got a bucket of water. He's like, Scooby, wake up and he dumps the water on Scooby. Doesn't do anything.
0: No effect. Because in addition to, to fainting, he's now concussed.
1: Yes. Scooby is uh brain damaged at best uh so the water doesn't really do anything really shaggy's just waterboarding him at this point <laughs> he's demanding answers on al-qaeda
0: and then using a tactic that the u.s government did not use on on terrorist insurgents uh he pulls out a scooby snack
1: yeah i, I wish we had used that on insurgents i feel like we would have had much better results it's
0: very dark not I,
1: cruel but it is inhuman
0: you know what cut this out if you want to i I, I don't even know anymore. So,
1: m- without missing a beat, because there's no missed beats between what we were just talking about and this. Um, yeah, Shaggy tries, but that water doesn't do anything. Like you said, he pulls out a Scooby snack. Surely a Scooby snack will wake Scooby up. And it does register in Scooby's unconscious enough for Scooby to, like, perk up a little bit and eat the Scooby snack. But then he's still it's, out. It's
0: really weird there are a lot of quick sequences in in this latter half of the episode i feel like we've made it over the the midpoint scooby and shaggy are are in a chandelier hiding from the phantom shadow and they're laughing to themselves because they've gotten away Uh, and then another fan the other phantom shadow pulls away a ceiling tile and uses i guess Mm -hmm. shears to cut the chandelier and they drop down through the floor back into the basement
1: yeah it's it's kind of like for a minute here it's gag after gag shaggy pours water on scooby doesn't work but gives scooby a snack kind of works scooby starts to wake up after shaggy's already like carrying him like a sack over his shoulder holding on to scooby's tail and then scooby wakes up and then they're in the chandelier and the ghost cuts and then they fall through the floor they're in a wine cellar which is i think one of my favorite parts of the episode i really like the wine cellar scene
0: i don't know a lot about wine because wine is not my uh alcohol of choice but Shaggy says, look, a wine rack. Like, he instantly has an idea. He says to Scooby, don't fire until you see the green of his eyes. Mind you, the phantom shadows have red eyes. Yeah. So this will this will never happen.
1: Yeah, so never fire, Scooby. So they're at these wine bottles, which are kind of cork out, and they're, they have strings attached to them. So in kind of the classic cartoon way, we're going to start firing some corks at uh, the bad guys
0: and and the corks are and i will say this as i am wont to do lovingly rendered in the way they in the way they fire forth in the way that they're like bouncing off of this yeah, ghoul.
1: it's it's pretty satisfying they they start pulling corks and shooting all this stuff at the ghouls and I, I i know a thing or two about wine not a whole lot but i think they only really pop when they're carbonated like like champagne champagne would work champagne would work these are red wines this is like a these are non i i think would be non carbonated
0: like a merlot or something. I don't really know. Like
1: yeah, a merlot. There's a cab sauv maybe, um, but there's not. I don't think these are wines that would actually pop. Fortunately, these are children, so uh, most of the viewers of this episode, aside from like us and our listeners, are probably not really picking up on that's not how wine works. And, and although, like, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's it's effective and it is lovingly rendered. We see all these like this wall of wine popping corks and shooting all this stuff off at, at these two villains. And then Scooby and Shaggy run away, like, trailing behind, like, puddles of wine. And I thought, like, this wine has been down there for a long time. This is the million dollars they could have inherited. (laughs) It's it's all wine money, and it's gone.
0: I also, now that you mention it, I also kind of half expected the Phantom to slip on the wine uh, as it's chasing them. It was was a conspicuous puddle. That makes sense, right? Like, that's, like, a classic, like, cartoon gag. Um, and, as, and as you mentioned, it is gag after gag after gag. The next one is that um, Daphne is being chased by one of the Phantom Shadows and the phone rings, you know, like the, a rotary phone. And she picks it up mm-hmm. and she's all like, it's for you. And she hands it. To to, the ghost.
1: And I I would just note it's it's Velma, not Daphne.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, Um, you're right, you're right.
1: Something worth noting, Velma gets a lot of screen time in this episode. Daphne does not get almost any, any lines or almost anything. So it's a big Velma episode. And yeah, it's just this kind of middle cut. Yeah,
0: like lightning quick, as soon as this is over, we we get the Scooby and Shaggy riding a bike or a tandem bicycle trying to get away from the Phantom Shadow who is obviously on the third seat of this tandem bike the third and
1: fourth seats because there's two of them so this is a four seat tandem bike we see scooby and shaggy riding on the first two seats shaggy says they're gaining on us look turns around these other the phantoms
0: are on the other two seats of the tandem bike <laughs> which is like riding through the mansion yeah it's indoors and then that's it and then the gag is like the gag is over yeah but it's just like gag after gag after gag and it's
1: you could just see them like spitballing like all right we need five gags here let's come with Fifteen ideas. The best five make it. Tandem bike somehow made it, and I feel like tandem bike needed to be set up somehow in that. Ca- I, un- I like it.
0: Yeah, it just doesn't work within the context of the episode.
1: I feel like if if just we'd had it seeded a little earlier on, like oh, the colonel loves to collect Civil War memorabilia and tandem bikes, <laughs>
0: then we'd be good. There's nothing the colonel liked more than deck- bedecking himself in Confederate garb. And riding his tandem bicycle around the grounds.
1: Yes. Oh man. So that's that. That was the oddest cut-to gag. Was the tandem bike one. And after that, we've got
0: yet another gag, which is my favorite gag. Our favorite gag. Yeah. This is the official, uh, the official Scooby Dudes favorite gag.
1: Yeah. We say it every episode, but it's the best one every episode. They they, they run into a closet. They run into a closet. The, the ghosts run up, they open the door, and Scooby and Shaggy are in there, but Shaggy's dressed as a Confederate soldier with like an ill-fitting jacket and, and Scooby's wearing like a uh, a country maid's dress with a bonnet.
0: <laughs> yes, he, He's a Southern belle and they start dancing with the with the phantom yeah. shadows. They
1: dance, they dance and the phantom shadows are like, well, hey, I'm not going to be rude or anything, so they dance along with them. Shaggy d- dances over and taps a couple of keys on the uh, the organ which opens up the floor because they're in the organ room again and uh, that drops the phantoms down.
0: Yeah, they they basically like lead cuz they're leading even scooby even though he is the woman in this case they lead, which is
1: a strong feminist message even a woman can lead if that woman is a dog <laughs> a male dog i think female empowerment was a strong theme in this in this episode where daphne says nothing
0: uh, and and yet she persisted hashtag feminism oh man yeah it's i i loved that because again they're they're tying everything together like they know that, that you play F-E-E-D on the organ and the floor opens up. They're back in the same room. Again, It's the setting is almost a character in and of itself it, because everybody's interacting with it.
1: That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, and returning to that element really gave it a sense of meaning and purpose and they're learning and they're using this. It's uh, I, I feel like this is one of the best uses of settings we've seen yet, rivaling make a beeline away from that feel line. Go
0: go, watch it. Go watch it. Last <laughs> Last reference, we promise.
1: Um, I swear. Uh, so that's. I think that's for the most part the whole like gag after gag after the, gag. The end of like this rapid fire machine gun gag, and uh, beyond that, the post chase, the gang kind of regroups, and we see that Shaggy's got some green stuff on his finger from the ghost.
0: And it's so like it. It's not a direct sort of. I, I'm trying to figure out sort of like the mental leaps and bounds that required this, but. They're like, oh, there's green stuff on your hands. That gives me an idea. They find themselves in the laundry room.
1: The leap of logic is kind of odd. Um, Shaggy's like, I got some green stuff on my finger from Dancing with the Ghost. And Fred's like, that's it, to the laundry room. And you're like, to clean Shaggy's finger? We could just do that in a bathroom. Like, there's sinks all over the place. But Fred's got a deeper plan here.
0: He doesn't, Fred does not even explain fully. Like, we need to see it in action. Because Shaggy says that this is one of the, uh, what did I write here? He says, I've seen some goofy traps before, but this is the goofiest. And Fred doesn't fully explain. He says, we use the fan, some soap suds on the floor, a spring-loaded ironing board, and a washing machine.
1: Yep, and specifically rebutting Shaggy, he says, it's not goofy, it's simple. Which, we'll see. But we do see it in action. Before we put this into practice with the ghosts, they use Scooby as a guinea pig. And basically, what they do is they flip on a fan, which blows Scooby across some suds on the floor... Onto a spring-loaded ironing board, which catapults him into a washing machine.
0: At which point, Shaggy, who is sitting atop it, shuts the door, trapping Scooby and also the Phantom Shadows. If this works,
1: so that's that's the idea. We'll get the Phantom Shadows to come through here, blow them with a the fan, cross the suds, hit the ironing board, spring into the washing machine. It's simple and elegant.
0: I didn't I didn't piece this together when I was first watching it, but they really revert. There's a, there's a big reversal here. It's Fred velma and daphne who are the bait
1: that's true that is a good that's a good point it's a reversal
0: yeah typically typically shaggy and scooby much to their displeasure are the ones who have to they act as bait for the monster
1: maybe they were out of scooby snacks and they knew we just can't negotiate here
0: i mean there's a chance that the reason that this is sort of like a one-off uh thing is that shaggy and scooby completely botch this this whole trap
1: which we often see. We often see the traps don't go as planned, so it's more. I mean, that would be boring if it just went off without a hitch and they caught the ghost. Um, after we know how the trap is supposed to work.
0: They fail spectacularly, in that Shaggy, who's sitting on top of the washing machine, says, Here they come now, and Scooby hears, Now? And he flips the fan on, which isn't even the biggest problem here.
1: No, the biggest problem is that he flips it on reverse. So instead of the fan blowing forward, it's sucking air at a magnitude I can't imagine.
0: Because because it's sucking so hard that the washing machine flies towards it.
1: There is just one little moment where when Scooby flips it to reverse, someone I can't remember who states like, no, that's reverse. And I, I like the part of Scooby-Doo where they, they voice everything that's written in the show for the benefit of kids who can't read.
0: Yeah, just in case they couldn't catch that. Now they know that's why this fan is, like, acting this way.
1: Scooby and Shaggy have fudged up, Scooby specifically, has fudged up this trap bad by setting the fan on reverse and sucking the washing machine such that it's it's all jumbled up together. Now Scooby and Shaggy are on the washing machine, on the ironing board on top of the washing machine. Just sliding and flying around because the fan is also there acting as a
0: motor. Well, all of these components basically turn into a biplane of sorts, which is a really big callback to, see, to the first episode of this season, What a Night for a Night.
1: That's true, where they actually do fly around in a biplane a little bit, Scooby and Shaggy again. They, uh, they're they the ones that like to get airborne. That's a great point. I didn't make that connection. but uh, And that's, that's exactly what it is. All these items come together and they make... A washing machine ironing board fan biplane which they kind of fly through the mansion and out the window chasing the specters chasing the uh, phantom shadows
0: what happens is again there's such a strong sense of this is a very like concrete setting that this is this is definitely like a place that could exist they fly out of the window they exit the mansion and then the plane that they're on descends And then sort of like flies back towards the mansion and it goes into the cave
1: we end and this is kind of the final chase scene we end on this tour of this setting that's been so lovingly um laid out for us this entire episode it's very satisfying
0: yeah so they they make it down to the basement and at the same time the phantom shadows i guess they thought this would be the fastest way they're sliding down a stair banister you know like rear first like like they're facing away
1: yeah, let kids go in down on Christmas Day. <laughs>
0: right, yeah,
1: exactly, to go,
0: to go <laughs> see the presents that Santa has left them.
1: Yes, and so they're, they're sliding down this banister. Scooby and Shaggy are flying on their little washing machine biplane around through a couple of hallways down to the bottom of this staircase where Shaggy sits with the, uh, the washing machine open to receive them.
0: Uh, yeah, they fall into the washing machine, and they're caught. That's it. They they did it.
1: Shaggy slams it shut, flips it on, and then the bubbles start going. We've
0: caught the guys. The bubbles start to turn red. <laughs> You're not supposed to put two full-grown men into a washing machine. It's very grisly. I will say, when Scooby gets put in there, and they still
1: run the washing machine when Scooby goes in, because that's something they need to test, Scooby's loving it.
0: Yeah, he, he smiles. He's like, this is enjoyable. This would never fly today, because kids, like, I want to say that kids would do that. Kids would think
1: it'll clean the puppy and make him happy. I mean, one, like, oh, I spilled a little bit of ink on the puppy. Time to clean him. Yeah, he'll laugh. He'll love it. He'll love it. Oh, man. That's, that is that is a good point, that it's not uh, not something you'd ever want an actual person to recreate in real life.
0: No, not at all. Um, so we we liked so very many things about this episode, but at the end of the day... There really were not a lot of options as far as who the, uh, the ghosts could be.
1: I mean, we haven't talked about them this whole episode since the very beginning, but um, basically at the very end, we cut to um, no unmasking. We just see the two phantoms hung up as if on a washing line, clipped by their shoulders to this drying line, and it is Creeps and Crawls.
0: Yes, Mr. Creeps and Mr. Crawls. The the attorney to Colonel Sanders and his and his partner.
1: Yep, and they were really the only two people it could be, unless Colonel Sanders was not really dead, and uh, that's that's not really something that was implied at any point.
0: And and even then, he would need a partner, and it would have to be Mr. Crawl. Mr. Yeah, Creeps. and from
1: the beginning, Mr. Creeps says Mr. Crawls is absent, so we're kind of thinking it's Mr. Crawls from the start. And then once there's two, we're thinking Creeps and Crawls. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, it, ha- also, it has to be two people. Yeah, and we haven't seen nearly enough of the other of the four relatives to think that it's them
0: haven't like they have motive right which is that if they scare everyone else off they'll get the money we don't know anything about them beyond that
1: yeah we see almost none of them which is again kind of disappointing cuz we have the like uh, on the record uh, Colonel Sanders reads off each of their names and we see like we hang for a moment on each of their faces so we can like remember them but that doesn't really do anything with that
0: they're they're definitely not red Herons. no again there's no one else that it possibly could have been besides Mr. Creeps and Mr. Crawls yeah,
1: and I, I like i like a red herring in just about every episode of Scooby-Doo. It makes it more interesting.
0: Yeah, I agree with that for sure.
1: So it's it's Mr. Creeps and Mr. Crawls, kind of unsurprising. And we see the the last character that's introduced this episode, of course, the sheriff, who was called in.
0: Yeah, uh, he the sheriff says, well, where they're going, Creeps and Crawls could use a good lawyer.
1: And, uh, and why did they do it, of course? Well, they did it so no one would get the fortune so that they would retain control
0: of it. Which is a little iffy. It's like, well, is that really going to work for them? Unless there was like a clause at the very end of the record. Colonel Sanders was like, if no, if no, ugh, I can't really do a southern accent. Where is it? If, no, if no one can sleep in my mansion, my attorney gets all of the money. Like, yes.
1: My, my loving and dutiful attorneys, Mr. Creeps and Mr. Crawls, get all of my million dollars. So who knows whether that would have worked out for them anyways. These are not top-notch lawyers, I'm going to say. He got his million dollars and kept it, not by overspending
0: on lawyers. That's exactly right. Speaking of the million dollars, uh, Scooby spent the entire night, so he, uh, he gets that inheritance.
1: And just before we cut to that, the one note I, I want to circle back around to is what, what did happen to those four cousins? Didn't we see their bodies in those coffins downstairs? Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. Um, just to put our minds at ease, and, and certainly I was a little bit concerned about that, um, it turns out that those were dummies.
1: Um, and it's not that uh, we're deriding them to say that these, these cousins turned out to be stupid, so it doesn't matter that they're dead. <laughs> but, but these are fake, fake bodies. <laughs> <laughs> they're dummies. So, the, and they're very realistically rendered too. They look absolutely realistic. And this is in an episode where, be- between like uh, some like scrap wood and vegetables, we made a dummy of Scooby Doo, the fakest dummy imaginable.
0: You know, this also means that somewhere in the mansion is a is a
1: duplicate of Scooby Doo. Presumably, unless he was planning on scaring Scooby Doo off with uh, the t- the four dummies and then just not needing to make a body. And also, it kind of implies that. They had an order mapped out for when they would scare each person off so that they would have... Or maybe they... I would I would watch a full episode of just the prep that went into this for the villains on the villain side of it.
0: Yeah, there's definitely a lot there. It's a fairly straightforward scheme that they make more elaborate. I, I do think that implying that they've murdered the other guests... Is a strong message.
1: It does a lot to say like, oh, we've got reason to be fearful, because there were other people here and now they're gone. That trapped in a mansion feeling is it's kinda scary and it's thrilling. I really like that premise. One other thought. Oh, just to circle back around with some other mysteries, these ones that remain unsolved, I just gotta say again, the bathtub thing, we really could have used an explanation for that to justify it, because at the beginning it's so so detailed in its setup of, no, this was really bolted down, but we saw it slide out of the room
0: and it's just never explained. Yeah, I think the reason I'm quick to give them a pass on that is because they did they did the organ again. Yeah, it made me it made me forgive them because the, like there was no reason for the organ to make a, re- a reappearance. That's true. They did that really it, it well. It serves like a pivotal role a second time, uh, in in which it gives them breathing room away from the Phantom Shadows.
1: Um, I, I took us a little bit away from the whole reason that they were there wasn't to investigate a mystery. It's for that million dollars, yo. Yeah.
0: They're gonna be rich, and and going into it, I was like, oh, this is how they bankroll their operations going forward. Yeah,
1: this is how they afford all those repairs on the mystery machine.
0: So this money is in a, is in a little bit of a it's it's a little chest. Yeah, and they open up the chest, and it turns out that. It is in fact one million dollars. It's not like a million dollars in like seashells or ha- yeah, or like Hasbro action figures or something. It's like it's specifically one million dollars, but it's a million dollars in Confederate money.
1: Yeah, which is, I guess, worthless. But would it be though? My big thought was like, I don't think that'd be outright worthless. At the very least, it's like an artifact. It's, it's something that could go in a museum. And in addition, where does everything else in this mansion go? There's like so much memorabilia and so many valuable souvenirs. All this Civil War, um, these, these Civil War things could be worth a lot of money. And what's left of that wine collection might be worth a bit.
0: Yeah, I don't think you want to know who he donated all of that memorabilia to.
1: It's uh, Yeah, so we don't know who got that money. Here's my big thing. If it's Confederate money, why did the lawyers want it so bad?
0: That's a that is a very good question.
1: Because uh, presumably these are lawyers. Like if anybody knows what kind of money you can or can't spend.
0: These lawyers would be them. I think you already mentioned that these are not. They're not great lawyers. I mean, they went. They went into the practice. Keeping their legal names of Mr. Creeps and Mr. Crawls. That,
1: that, that probably hindered them a bit from the start.
0: Like, who wants to hire the the services of attorneys-at-law Creeps and Crawls?
1: At least split up your offices. Be independent, like, the offices of Creeps, the offices of Crawls. Don't—Creeps and Crawls LLC is not doing you any favors. No, sir. So the the upshot is, sorry, no money, which is kind of how you expect it to end. Um, without them actually getting the million dollars. That was my expectation going in. Yeah,
0: the status quo needs to be maintained.
1: Exactly that. How great would it be though if it ended like, oh, an actual million dollars. I guess we don't have to solve mysteries anymore, guys. The
0: end of Scooby Doo forever, and then uh, the show becomes like Richie Rich, yeah, like a forty-minute, you know, Scooby Doo Richie Richie Rich crossover. Yeah,
1: I I think actually it's uh, the gang would be rich and they would still solve mysteries, but they would hire Richie Rich's poor friends to go out and do the legwork <laughs> and and come back and describe what happened as they all gorge themselves on grapes and Scooby snacks.
0: Uh, Richie Rich's poor friends in their furnitureless shack in the woods.
1: It's it's like uh, if if there were like two pig pens from charlie brown (laughs) but if charlie brown was filthy effing rich
0: oh man we how do we always come back around to richie rich like i don't understand we killed like half an hour uh, one one morning uh,
1: it's so bad but there's so much you can talk about yeah oh man and the biggest thing on it just being the fact like no periods do you remember that richie rich there has never been a sentence ended with a period only exclamation points and i say this having read literally hundreds of richie rich comics you
0: read you read a lot more richie rich than i uh did looking at my yeah looking at my comics i it's mainly just archie's
1: i had quite a few archies but man i read a lot of richie rich as a kid
0: and a heathcliff and a charlie brown Hmm. i've I've never read read that heathcliff comic like I, i don't really want to so so there's one last gag that we need to end on because all Scooby Doo episodes need to end on a joke of some kind.
1: So we we see for the very last scene a floating bone.
0: Ostensibly like haunted, you know, because because it is just floating in the air. And there has... nothing has been established in this entire episode that things float besides uh, the Confederate jacket. And I don't think they're trying to tell us that there is a goose inside of this bone.
1: No, it's just a bone floating in the air, which Scooby eagerly, like, plucks out of the air and starts chewing and slobbering on.
0: And the rest of the gang laughs, because this is a funny thing.
1: I guess Scooby's not scared of haunted bones. And, And it kind of brings us back to the fact that the Colonel thought this house was haunted before he died. He put it into his will. And, uh, and we never knew what kind of haunting it was. Maybe it's maybe there is a real ghost here, because presumably
0: this is just a floating bone. Yeah, it is super bizarre. And it's not, again, it's not explained at, at all. Yeah, we just, we end up, oh, Scooby got his bone.
1: This weird ghost bone.
0: Yeah, it's, it is weird. It's weird that like, oh, hey, look, here's a bone for Scooby just so we can have some laughs. And then here's the theme song.
1: We have the credits roll with the Scooby theme song and the Scooby intro. Kind of nod. odd odd timing on that.
0: Here's one thing that I want to suggest. I think it would be cool if we wrote a checklist of something every good Scooby-Doo episode should have, and then see if we've checked off all of those items come the end of the episode.
1: I think that's a great idea. I'm a hundred percent for it. Do you want to start that now?
0: Yeah. Or we could compile it for next episode. But one of them is obviously the get ga- the the gag. The right? gag.
1: The the masquerade.
0: The charade gag. You you could call it like like Scooby it, it's it's a classic Scooby Doop. Scooby Doop, yes. Right? Yeah. So so is there a Scooby Doop in this episode?
1: There is a Scooby Doop in this episode,
0: not not the best
1: executed, I think, out there.
0: No, but it has more complexity because again, there's a callback to an earlier like mechanic or whatever.
1: Exactly the organ and you know it's it's fun. They did the dress up thing, which is I think a classic element of the Scooby Doop. I agree. Which is where they they bring in a prop or they dress up somehow. And that's part of what makes the the ghosts have to buy in. And it worked.
0: Are there Scooby Snacks in this episode?
1: There is a Scooby Snack, although I I think... The presence of Scooby Snacks is one point to hit. The proper use of Scooby Snacks is another point. And here, I don't feel like they used it quite properly. So you you think maybe this point has two halves to it? I think it has two halves to it. Like, there's the Scooby Snacks, and then there's the Scooby negotiation. The would you do it for a Scooby Snack? Would you do it for two? (laughs) Is this so scary you need three? And here, the Scooby Snack didn't even quite wake Scooby up. It just perked him up enough to eat it, but then he kind of stayed unconscious for a bit. So, we didn't have like the value the value of the Scooby snacks being defined in the episode as part of it. And that could be by negotiation or by the effect it has, and here that was a little lacking.
0: And then and then the third one that I think I've come up with is do Scooby and Shaggy eat a large amount of food?
1: Uh definitely present here. Scooby has uh, Shaggy has that giant sandwich.
0: One one thing just because we're at the conclusion and and this has not happened in a single episode that we've watched so far, and I'm excited to check it off. Does the person who is caught say anything about them being able to get away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids in your do they say that in this episode they they don't and that's what i'm saying is like has it just become such like part of like public consciousness that this is just something that we believe happens because it hasn't yet it hasn't
1: yet and maybe we've been cherry picking the wrong episodes maybe they don't do it in every single episode yet but that is something that i think probably if you were going to say like draw anything from scooby-doo that's like a universal as a household trope that would be it i think
0: so let, I want to say that we add it to the list almost like as an extra. We haven't confirmed yet that it does in fact take place. I think
1: you're right. So we've got Scooby Snacks, the Scooby Doop. I can keep adding to this list. I want to, I want to leave it open for you. I mean, uh, I think splitting up the group is a big part. And it's interesting this time it was not by choice, but by circumstance.
0: Do you think that splitting up the group
1: is maybe too common? You're probably right there because, like, they've done it like four times in an episode. Yeah,
0: it's it's almost like it it must occur.
1: Yeah, if nothing else, just so they the animators can have a break and just do a Scooby and Shaggy bit. So,
0: so do you want to add add to the list, or is it just an expectation? It's an expectation that I don't I I don't know
1: if we're ever not gonna meet it because it happens. I think just about every time. Um, I'd say the trap is a, a tr- something that's happens just about every episode. It's a pretty consistent one, but I'd say that's a that's a trope. And, and the trap doesn't always succeed.
0: Honestly, I don't think it's supposed to. I think that's part of the classic Scooby formula.
1: But sometimes I think it does. It's not supposed to unless we don't know how it works before we go into it, in which case we learn how it works as it works.
0: All right, here's the last one I'm gonna introduce, and, and I am I would love it if, if you had anything else to add. Um, is there a portrait in which the eyes move? Ooh, eyes moving portrait, and there isn't in this episode. I think that's no, there isn't. And this is a this is the perfect setting for it, right? It's, it's a true.
1: There are multiple portraits, not just of the colonel, but of unnamed people, presumably in this por- this colonel's family. Oh yeah, yeah, uh-huh. including like a, a woman with a fan, Chinese fan or whatever. It's, uh, there's that. So I think Eyes Moving Portrait is a great one. You know what? There is one other thing I want to add because it's perhaps my favorite, one of my favorite elements of Scooby Doo, which is secret passages.
0: Oh, Um, okay. Yeah. That's solid. That's a good one. Um, one last one. Does one, like, does a character carry another character? Hmm. Carrying characters. That's a great point because it's
1: done so, so many different ways.
0: And, and I, is, I don't, I don't know if it's happened every single episode that we
1: I'm not sure either. I mean, here we see it a couple of ways. We see all the characters carry Scooby ineffectively and give him a concussion. We see Shaggy then carry Scooby. Um, I think when Velma, Scooby, and Shaggy are in the cave, at one point they all get scared and jump. she carries both of them. That's another classic because Velma's often the one to carry everyone else.
0: Yes, yeah. And, and it'll be played up more moving forward. We'll, we'll get to it when we get to it.
1: Yeah, there's some great, great moments with that to come. So, so far we've got Scooby Snacks, the Scooby Dupe, You Meddling Kids the eyes moving portrait secret passages and uh the gang carrying each other that's that's a good good number of uh i can't think of another major trope off the top of my head there's lots of little ones like hiding from the ghost in creative ways Mm -hmm. um yeah stopping the teeth chattering in a lot of different ways like trying to remain silent by various means
0: yeah some of them some of them it's like it's almost like we can't add them to the list because they have to be in there There's no way of, like, doing Scooby-Doo without a chase scene, for example. Like, there's no such thing as a Scooby-Doo episode without a chase scene.
1: Exactly. It's going to have some kind of chase scene. So that's something... I think there's other points that are interesting to look for and to see how they do it. For instance, how they turn him over to the authorities. How they turn the villain over to the authorities, I think, is something interesting to examine. Is it a cop? Is it a sheriff? Is it just like a security guard or the actual owner of the company? And I'm wondering if there are any episodes where they don't have an authority figure, because I think they generally do, which is kind of it seems like it's enforcing positive stuff onto kids to say, "Take it to the cops."
0: Right. That's certainly been a big thing in the earliest iteration.
1: In later iterations of Scooby-Doo, they just do lynchings. It's <laughs> they
0: lay they, they wow. lay down some Scooby justice. The final episodes, or rather, sorry, the final minutes of this episode, and 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 it comes back out. <laughs> It's we are so close so, to the end.
1: It's this is the first time I've mentioned anything of the sort. <laughs> what are what are you talking
0: about? <laughs>
1: oh wow, uh, it's uh, there's just so many elements of Scooby Doo that it it's it concretized it into the public mind. I think it's just built into our culture.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree for sure. And uh, I think I think that's good. I think that'll be something that we'll go through. We'll run through at the end of each episode just to see how these. Uh, the, these work as far as having all of the elements of a classic Scooby-Doo episode. And interestingly enough, they are not all present in, I guess, I used the, the term classic, but they're not present in all of these early episodes.
1: Not really. Oh, and I, so just one more, and I know we mentioned there's always going to be a chase scene, but within the chase scene, um, the corridors gag yeah, is I, one that I was
0: wondering about that as well. How common is it?
1: I don't know how common it is. It's Maybe it's because it it's in the intro to... A couple of these series that they have the corridors gag playing and maybe it's because it's so instantly you understand what's weird about it and what's funny about it and how it's subverting the chase um that it's so satisfying and easy to remember like
0: i think there was a specific era where the corridors gag was used a lot
1: i think you're right there i think probably because these are early episodes of scooby-doo they're still figuring out what they want to do every time and what's uh what's something you can return Uh, to
0: you're you're still here an hour and a half and you and you stuck around that's crazy no surely i think they skipped to the end oh okay look go back we did not put all of this work in for nothing
1: yeah you know we cut this down this is the trimmed episode this is the spark notes version you just listened to we
0: took the fat out look the original recording of this was 47 hours 47 hours we, we really condensed this down we filibustered this mofo episode philip this podcast uh look we just want to thank you so much for listening to our to the third episode of scooby dudes
1: yeah thank you so much your listenership means the world to us uh we would still be talking about scooby doo if it weren't for you but we wouldn't be recording it and putting an insane amount of work into it work and money and money so thank you for making us
0: work and spend money what are we doing speaking speaking of money yeah uh we would like to thank all of our new patreon subscribers yeah
1: uh, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to thank all of them. Hey, do you have the list handy here? Let me get, let me get my list out. That's... Luke, is that a blank sheet of paper? <laughs> oh yeah, so it is. Hey, it must be on the other side here. Let me just flip this around real quick. Oh,
0: huh.
1: Wait, wait, okay. you check check the other other side. You know what? Probably yeah, I uh, probably flipped it twice by accident here. Let me flip check, it again. Yeah,
0: check check the third side.
1: Whoa. there's nothing. But hang on. if I flip it really fast, it's almost like an animate. No, it's still nothing. It's
0: because it's because it's blank, it's blank. on both sides. If, if, if you flip it back and forth, it's like a flip book where nothing's been
1: drawn on. Well, surely our our administrative assistant made a mistake here. This is this must be a clerical error
0: because we have tons of new patrons. Surely this is so strange. It's it's almost like someone had promised and told me that they were going to uh, to donate to our podcast. Record scratch. <laughs> oh man. I sure am glad that I did not go into a bit and the reason I'm glad I didn't do that is because we did have a new patrons uh, patron subscriber donor uh, patron this week and that is our great friend Hannah not good friend great friend and we are uh, we're so immensely grateful that she decided to chip in and we are just going to uh, we're going to list them off right now scratch back
1: you should really join this crowd they get a bunch of cool new content all the time as well as some sweet tiered bonuses So join the crowd that we're about to shout out right
0: now. And without further ado, and to avoid this turning into us begging you for money, here are their names. Leon.
1: Please give me money, please give me money. (laughs) Oh, I want that money, money. (laughs) Evan, I've never heard you do that voice
0: before. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, how was it how was it able to laugh and make that voice at the same time? Yeah, you got that like
1: Mongolian throat <laughs> singing. Yeah,
0: the throat singers.
1: <laughs> I want your money. Your money. <laughs> That's actually the only (laughs) phrase they ever sing. True story. (laughs) This outro is so long. How long is this episode going to be? But hey, where can you find us? If you want to find us on Twitter, at the Scooby Dudes. At the Scooby Dudes. And you can check us out on Facebook if you want to get a little bit more personal, get some of your friends involved in this.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and really the best and most complete mm-hmm. way to uh, to experience this podcast it. Go to ScoobyDudes.com
1: ScoobyDudes.com Please go there. You're robbing yourself of a great experience. We have incredible content on that website.
0: The website not only looks great what you can uh, do is you can read the show notes that i've put together uh there are a whole bunch of screen caps there's some hilarious captions uh there
1: Ca- I, our caption game is tight there
0: there are corrections and clarifications that you should read before writing us and being like um actually yeah don't give us that um actually bs until you check out the website and also look if you don't have a complaint still write us Write us, write us what you had for lunch. We would love to hear it.
1: We really don't care, and honestly, you're likely to get a response. We're pretty early on. Um, one dude just uh, wrote us the other day, and we gave him a very nice response. What was his I, name again? I don't... No, I can't remember. It must be on this sheet right here. Let me look at it. No, it's not on that side of the sheet. Look on the other side. Oh, hang on. Let me flip that around right here. Uh, oh, actually, his name is on this, but we're not shouting him out because he's not a donor. <laughs> Give us <it> your money. <laughs>
0: The episode that we were going to do this week, The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, Episode 1, Season 1, To All the Ghouls I've Loved Before, that will be next week.
1: That episode is straight up bonkers. Don't rob yourself of an incredible unique experience. This is a fascinating episode. Uh, It takes place in the Himalayas and we are finally introduced to the legendary Flim Flam. It will also be our first look at Scrappy-Doo. And it's the first time we see the Scooby-Doo show without Fred or Velma. So it's an incredible mix-up. And hey, I'd also mention, if you're a fan of Vincent Price, Vincent Van Gogh, a Vincent Price type character voiced by the man himself, appears in this episode.
0: That is, uh, That should be it. Look, I wanna thank you again. Really, really grateful that you're giving us a listen. Honestly, I don't know how much Luke has edited this down. I'm pretty sure this episode is three hours long.
1: Check us out on Twitter, check us out on Facebook. Uh, donate to us on Patreon if you wanna get some sweet exclusive content. And of course, check out our website, don't rob yourself of the incredible art that we've got going on right there right now. Uh, title card by Sam Wade. That's it. Uh we'll see you guys later. I hate you, Evan. What? <laughs> you 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 didn't you haven't acknowledged my love.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, I don't mean it. I don't mean it, buddy.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Bye you. listeners, I love you. All right. No, I love <laughs> No, no.
1: <laughs> Give me your love. Give me your love. <laughs> Bye.